Enter the Arcanum has released, putting 24 new cards into the Eternal ecosystem for the Eternal Open coming up next weekend. Let's talk about it. Hello everyone and welcome to EffieCast episode 84 where we're going to talk about the new set Enter the Arcanum and the upcoming Throne Open. Um, I am your host, uh, Draft Open Top 4 competitor Sunnyvale, um, and I am joined as always by my co-host Stormblast. How's it going? Hello, I am not a Draft Open Top 4 competitor, uh, but I am, I am excited to play with some new cards. This set is in some way i mean there's certainly at least one card that's making a ton of waves already um both in discussion purposes and on ladder uh but i'm very excited to see how the set's going to impact things even beyond this one specific card but we'll get to it you probably know which card we're talking about yeah probably and i'd like to point out you have top board a draft event and that is true actually top four your top four actually qualified you for Worlds, where mine is That's just true. a half qualification. That's true. I, I, so. I am a top four draft uh, competitor, actually. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my best uh, tournament finish in the last two years, and it came with minimal preparation. I drafted two times before the event. I just got, you know, you know how when you're playing in day two and you just get eliminated because your opponent got super lucky because of X, Y, or Z, or you got unlucky or something like that? Well... That this past weekend or whenever the draft open was, I just was on the other side of that consistently. <laughs> where I was like, "Wow, I'm getting so lucky," or "Wow, my opponent's getting so unlucky." So that's how that happened. All right. Um. So today we're not going to be talking about draft. We're going to be talking about throne. That's our big focus because there is a draft open on August uh, 26th through 28th. That's next weekend as of recording, eight days from now. Um, and they released 24 new cards. Some of them are pretty spicy leading up to it. Um, so yeah, we're going to try to get you caught up on, uh, expert opinions on how good the cards are and how they might impact Throne. Um, as always, we're just going to be doing this in order of the cards in the client. So if you want to follow along in your eternal client, go ahead. We're going to start with the fire cards, go on to time, etc. Uh, but yes. first, before we go over the new cards from the campaign there's like mini set whatever you call it there's also a, a variety of promos that might be worth discussing as well because they direwolf is now releasing one new card a week and since the last year cast has been a number of them and so some of them are worth talking about yeah we usually don't talk about them because our casts are so infrequent nowadays um but these promos are cool like i'm i'm just generally a fan of the fact that there's new eternal content every single week that's just fantastic to me yeah, I like that they're advancing the story if if slowly, but, you know, steady, slowly but steadily. It's pretty nice. Uh, you know, there's been a variety of promos every week that are interesting. You know, the latest one, Miviox Mayhem, is probably trash. It's uh, four Shadow Shadow for a spell. Each unit gets plus two, minus two, and each player discards the top two cards of their deck. It seems overcosted for what it's trying to do, so it's probably trash. Yeah, like, I don't even know what you're supposed to try to do with this. Are you supposed <laughs> to play a deck, an aggressive deck where everything is an X3 so that you, like, clean up your opponent's small units and then get bigger units to attack through or something? That just, like, for four, it's so expensive. It does not seem good. Um, but there are, and previous... But, oh, go ahead. 
I would say, but but the uh, some of the previous promo though, I think uh, Soul Eater Blade last week, at least in Expedition Soul Eater Blade looks to be incredible and possibly even throne worthy. It's a big life steal swing and can give you some card advantage. Uh, Soul Eater Blade is three shadow shadow for a plus three plus zero oh, fast weapon, so you can play it on a unit as a combat trick. And when this wielder kills a unit, draw it from the void, summon the wielder gets life steal this turn. Yeah, really interesting card. Um, I feel like, generally speaking, in Eternal, weapons are not very good unless you can get them for free, or they're Caleb's Persuader. Um, <laughs> so, like, this is trying to get to uh, a, a card that is a little better. I mean, I don't know, like, still weapons are just don't feel that great. We've had, uh, what's the, the Copper Hall Bracers, the Justice one that's plus four, plus oh. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many flying justice units where you can get in and get the get the power from that card um but it just has never seen play and when it has it hasn't been good so maybe this being a fast weapon and providing a lifesteal swing maybe that's good enough but i think the bar is pretty high for weapons to to see play just because of how easy it is to get blown up oh i should mention one other weapon that has been seeing play in onis is that uh gold-plated revolver right big plus three plus three for Mm. one power no, the most common weapon that sees play is the plus one, plus zero, overwhelm weapon, Sonny. You see, I don't even think that one sees that much play either, unless you're just... Even then, yeah, like, I feel like they come off of Jishu, the two-cost unit, more than they come off of Chizue. Really? I, I don't know. I, I, oh, I, mean, I mean, in Throne, I, I don't know about Throne. In Expedition, obviously in Expedition you don't have uh, Jishu, but Chizue is very good. It's a very solid oh, okay. card. I have not been playing Expedition at all. I I have just found that I've not enjoyed Expedition for whatever reason. Um, oh, I mean, there is the saga of <laughs> Sunnyvale and Expedition tournaments. I posted this the last time we had an Expedition open. I don't know if you, you out there uh, saw this. <laughs> but um, since the beginning of last season, I have day two'd every single open except... Every single expedition open. <laughs> I have not day two'd a single expedition open, at least not one that I can play. I may have like not been able to play and and I've not played in a day two of an expedition open, but I've made the day two of every single other open. Um so expedition is definitely my Achilles heel so right Sun- now. <laughs> Sunnyvale is not an expedition specialist. Other people <laughs> are expedition specialists, but not Sunnyvale. Yeah, definitely not. I mean there was uh gosh it, at risk of having this uh, entire cast being waxing poetic of like my own tournament history, um, there was that one time where we had um, like two throne events, maybe a couple months apart, uh, maybe several months apart, and the top eight had like four of the same eight competitors, <laughs> or between the two top eights, four of the competitors were the same, and I was one of them. So yeah, I mean. <laughs> Definitely so, not definitely not an expedition specialist. So the last promo that might be worth discussing is Shoshenka of Coastal, which certainly an expedition is gonna be a powerhouse, but you know, we don't care about that format right now. Uh Shoshenka of Coastal is seven primal primal for a seven seven bear. Uh summon, choose two two summon, choose twice, play a three three bear, draw a card, or deal five to enemy unit with flying. So basically what the card's designed to do is at seven cost it stabilizes you or brings you advantage in whatever direction you need to, right? If you need if you're low on cards, give you cards. If you're low on board, it'll give you a board state. If you there's big flyers, it can kill the big flyers. So it kind of does it all, of course. 
it costs seven, which is a lot, especially for Throne. Yeah, it definitely is expensive for Throne, and I I just really like the design on this card. It gives you a lot of choices that you have to like navigate when you play the card. Um, it doesn't do anything too broken, which ultimately just might mean that it's not good enough for Throne. Um, but I really like the the gameplay that this card brings. Um, yeah. As far as Throne goes, I mean, there's like kind of starting to be some sort of uh, possibilities with Elysian Ramp. I mean, the Curiox that we got with Contract, that goes well in a ramp deck, but it doesn't really have that many, like, that much good support. This would be the type of card that could be good in a ramp deck, but you know, um, I, you know, I don't think that exists yet. You know, this is the sort of card you'd want to cheat out early, you know, because it's it's powerful, it can turn out a huge board state, or it can draw your cards, or it can kill things. If only there was a new card from the mini set that would cheat things out, you know, ahead of time. <laughs> All right, speaking of the mini sets, should we start talking about these cards? Yeah, let's, let's jump right into the mini set. Okay. Um, all right, getting it loaded up on my client. Here we go. Let's start off with Catalyze. It's a double fire, two cost spell. Discard a card to draw two cards. Each unit, weapon, or spell drawn this way gets double damage. How do you feel about Catalyze? So Catalyze is very interesting because there are two cards it compares directly to. Uh, those that would be Strategize and Torgov Wares, right? Strategize and Torgov Wares both draw two cards and then bin one of them. Uh, Strategize puts it on the bottom where Torgov's Wares puts it in the void, which is far superior. A Torgov's also gains you two life, which is far superior. Uh, so in that respect, Catalyze is significantly worse because discarding ahead of time is much worse than discarding afterwards because you, if you draw a bad card off Catalyze, you can't then discard it. That being said, though, Catalyze has a number of upsides. Double damage is an incredibly powerful ability. You know, if you draw, like, Torch and, you know, uh, like a 4-4 four, four flying charge, you know, now it has double damage. And you use 8 plus 6 and you just kill your opponent. Uh, also, it's in fire. You know, Torgaz Wares has to mean you have to be playing Elysian factions, and Strategize means you have to be playing uh, Primal. So if you're not playing Primal, you know, you know, like if there's like a Stone Scar Reanimator deck or something, right, they can't play Torgaz Wares or Strategize, you know, or I guess Reanimator wouldn't play Strategize. But so Catalyze has a lot of upside, right? I think overall it's worse, but again, it's in a different faction and it does different things. So I like the card a lot. I think it's a really cool card and should result in some fun, interesting new decks, even. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. Um, something about it is that Fire has a lot of these discard enablers, and this is the best one so uh, yet, I think, because you've had cards like Feed the Flames or whatever, where you make two three ones uh, <laughs> in your hand or so, whatever. It's, it's a terrible card. Um, but I've definitely searched through the client for cards like this before, and the fact that this one replaces it with cards from your deck and not just, you know, useless pieces <laughs> um it is a big deal so yeah and i saw like it, you need to pair it with something and you need to probably pair it with something outside fire because i just don't think that fire has uh good void synergies generally speaking so i was playing on ladder earlier today and uh someone was playing send a message with catalyze so it was basically a four cost opponent sacrifices a unit opponent discards a card plus draw two cards out of, uh, I mean, you spent two cards, but you replaced them with uh, Catalyze. Um, so you, I think you need something like that going on, where you are getting value from the discard in another faction, and um, as far as cards that enable those type of discard synergies, I think this is probably one of the best ones. So it might not be good yet, but somewhere down the line, I think we're going to see this be a powerful enabler for discard strategies. 
<laughs> I'm comparing it to Feed the Flame now. Because Feed the Flame also has double fire uh, cost, <laughs> if I recall correctly, right? For some reason. So Feed yeah. the Flame is kind of like, it's a two cost, three one, summon, discard a card, draw a three one. Where this is just, you know, two cost, discard a card, draw a two. It's just, you don't get a three one in play that turn though, Sunny. So it's, it's a big deal, right? What if you wanted the three one in play? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna play Yeti Cookmaster's your three one? Ridiculous. Yeah, well, okay, this is pretty good with Yeti Cookmaster, right? Yeti Cookmaster <laughs> with double damage is huge, and then uh you give your Yeti Cookmasters plus four plus so not just one of your Yeti Cookmasters, all of your Yeti Cookmasters in play. So <laughs> watch out, watch out. All right, let's move on to the next one. Rickety Ramcart, uh three cost fire, Grenadine Engine, it's a four-one. When Rickety Ramcart attacks, play a 1-1 hook buff with Taunt attacking. So you get a 1-1 uh, with Taunt attacking. I mean, it's what it says. I, like, you kind of need to think about it for it to make sense. And in Tomb, you play a hook bot. So uh, I think this card is pretty interesting. It does something that I feel like doesn't really exist yet in the game, which is where, I, I don't know, you just like kind of get some cover for your attacking units. It's a pretty fragile unit at 4-1, um, but it gives itself some cover, and it gets some value if it dies immediately by getting a hook bot. Uh, what do you think of this card, Stormblist? Well, I, I see a 3-cost Grenadin that entombs to play a Grenadin, and my eyes become little Tesseracts. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm interested in trying it out. I know I know you might be like, oh, Grenadin line makes 3 grands immediately, and so you can combo it with Tessa right away which is you know correct like what you're saying there hypothetical viewer is absolutely correct that being said i want to try it out because taunt is actually a very cool ability and you know this card survives lightning storm better than grenadine line um you know may maybe it's some sort of like critical mass component of of grenadine i don't know uh but no i, th I want to try it out i don't think it'll end up being great in tessa but i want to try it out in tessa because i just like tessa so best girl tessa that's all i'm saying I don't think that that's the place for it. I think that its home is going to be in some sort of aggressive deck. Yeah, uh, I mean, where... sure, Sunny wants Mono Fire. I want a dumb three-faction <laughs> deck. You know, what's new here? Okay, but real talk. Like, you want this in a deck. It, it would be best in a deck where you just, like, can't remove blockers for whatever reason. Some yeah, sort no. of, like, rally deck or something like that where you just have a lot of units and you have a bunch of pump effects, but you don't really have any ways of preventing your opponent from blocking you. Um, so I think that's where this would be best. And even then, I mean, yeah, it's like 4-1's yeah, not that big. <laughs> I think Sunday's on the mark. Well, 4-1's actually fairly large on turn 3. But anyways, I think Sunday's on the mark here. I do think that it is best in some sort of attacking deck because Taunt is a powerful ability uh, if you're attacking. Right? If you have, like, you know, three... Uh, like three threes your opponent is like a four four right you can taunt and then they can't block that turn right so it's got a lot of a uh, utility and taunt so okay yeah so let's move I don't, on to... i don't expect this one to see play and i don't see expect the next one to see play either okay let's move on quickly to chisaway's masterpiece Chisaway's masterpiece is five fire fire for an eight zero weapon which is a hilarious stat line it has Warcry two and summon the wielder gets quick draw this turn so this card basically says you better be playing a overwhelm dot deck deck because if you play this on like a three three without overwhelm, the opponent goes, "Aha! I will block with a one one Grenadin, and then I'll kill your unit for an easy two for one with a huge tempo swing." Uh, so play with overwhelm or don't play it at all, and probably don't play it at all. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think this card is going to make the cut, but it is something that Eternal doesn't have that much of, and that's, like, really threatening weapons. I've definitely looked through the client for weapons that, you know, do a lot of damage, and it's basically Caleb's Persuader and Manfred's <laughs> Justice, and that's basically it. So, I mean, yeah, like, that. this does do something that I've been looking for, it's just not nearly good enough at it. You know, something to put on your uh, passionate stone hammer or something like that. And, I mean, if this cost, you know, four or definitely three, but if it cost four and I was putting it on a passion, passionate stone hammer, I'd be a lot more excited about it. As it is, I, that's so, <laughs> so much. Like, why wouldn't you just play a Phoenix? <laughs> yeah, next up on our cards is a card that I think is a little overrated, actually. Uh, it's All Nighter. All Nighter is one at a time for a fast spell. Put an enemy unit with cost two or less on the bottom of its owner's deck, or create and draw an apprentice mage. Uh, I'm not saying it's not hasn't does not have a power level. It's not you know even thrown playable. I just think people are somewhat overrating. I think that being able to hit three drops like with defiance is very relevant. Uh, not everything costs two, even though people like to pretend it does. And I don't think apprentice mage is that powerful of a card, right? The power in all nighter lies in its flexibility, where you can do both things. But even still, Apprentice Mage is, is a 2-2 two, two for 2 that, you know, is not, it's not like it does influence like Trailmaker. If it gave you a Trailmaker, I'd be like, all in on this card. Um, as is, I just think it's, I think it's, it's good, and I think it might see play, but I think people are somewhat overrating it at the moment. Yeah, when I first saw this card, I thought it was really good, but after having some experience with it, I don't. So I, I pretty much agree with you. First, I just want to appreciate, like, how amazing the flavor of this is <laughs> pull an all-nighter and there's a lot of other cards in the set that are just like school themed that are pretty funny um so as someone who has been playing uh trick shot ruffian decks <laughs> lately uh all-nighter is a problem because i'm usually putting my all my eggs in a basket that costs two or less um and uh it doesn't get stopped by you know the size of the unit or something like that but you're right, like, Apprentice Mage really isn't that exciting. I mean, if you go turn one all-nighter, turn two Apprentice Mage, yeah, I mean, I guess that's okay, but there are, like, no other situations in the game where you would want the Apprentice Mage, and if your opponent doesn't have units that cost two or less, it's really not that exciting. So I, I am kind of low on all-nighter. And in Defiance, you know, which is probably its big comparison, one-cost removal spells on small units, Defiance will... Uh, well, first of all, it's three units that cost three or less. But also, it will stun a unit that is bigger. So, like, you know, it it, it serves its purpose uh, more effectively when the unit doesn't fall under the condition. So, mm -hmm. at first, I was super high on this card, but now I think that it might be just some fringe deck on uh, a defensive deck that doesn't have access to Defiance. The the other interesting thing about All-Nighter is, of course, as you said, uh, it's time and not Justice, right? So if you're not playing Justice or you're playing an aggressive deck, right, Defiance is primarily a defensive tool where this can be used uh, proactively. Um, as well, there's two things. One is that this is a fun Chalice card if you want to build a Chalice deck because it's a control tool that also uh, gives you a two-power unit for Chalice. But aside from meme decks... Um, this card, interesting, is that it's better on the draw than the play, because on turn, you know, you, your opponent plays a power, you know, if they play a one drop or not, right, you can decide to all-nighter it, 
or if they play power pass, and you, then you play undepleted power pass, and they can if they play a two drop, you remove it, and if they don't, you play an apprentice mage. Whereas if you're on the play, you have to either you know hope that they play a one drop to decide to remove something, or you know make your apprentice mage, and then they play their your opponent plays the really scary two drop, and you're like, oh darn, why did I make the apprentice mage? Because if you wait to make the apprentice mage on turn two, then you can't play the apprentice mage, right? So it's kind of interesting that this card in some aspects is better on the draw than the play. Yeah, if you're on the play, I guess you can be really confident that your opponent's going to play a two-drop and go one-drop plus all-nighter, but I think you're right. Um, let's move on. Arcanum Janitor is the next card, four costs, zero, one. Summon put a card in a void on the bottom of its owner's deck. Arcanum Janitor gets uh, plus attack, plus health equal to its cost. Um, so this, I don't think this card's very spectacular. I think people have recognize that it's probably not spectacular but if you're playing sentinel reanimator and you put whatever huge sentinel with bond uh on the bottom of your deck this thing's going to be absolutely ginormous uh, that's the only situation where i can see this card being relevant at all so so sunny can i tell you about the first game i played on the new set on throne ladder can i tell you about it sure go ahead so my opponent goes turn to spore folk and mills arcanum janitor and the witching hour and then they followed it up with a haunting scream and then i died immediately <laughs> that's so, that's pretty funny wait but you only took 24 it was, right it was on like turn four i took an extra like damage or two and they had like an extra unit in play at that point okay so there, there it was it was it was it was a little bit later than turn three uh, but it was very funny the other combo there is actually short hopper where you can short hopper to stick Witching Hour in the void and not play Shadow at all. And by doing short hopper things, you also um, guarantee that Witching Hour costs as much as it will because it doesn't reduce its cost to the market. Um, so th there's actually some cute things with Arcan of Janitor and Witching Hour specifically. Um, but it was, it was very funny. I was like, wow, that's a hell of a first game on the new set to play. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so do you think this has any legs at all in some sort of, like, Sentinel Reanimator deck? Or it's just, it's not good enough. It can't be the Katra for that deck. The, the Katra for that deck? What? <laughs> the really big unit you play on four without having to fetch it out of the void. Uh, I mean, I, I guess in that aspect, you, you like with Katra, I guess. So the thing about Katra, though, is that Katra's, you know, if, if Arkham Janitor is say an 8 9 and Katra's an 8 6, the difference is, is that Katra, you know, ramped you four times and lets you play all your expensive stuff forever. If Arcanum Janitor also ramped you four times, you know, then it would be Katra, but it's it's not Katra because it doesn't also... The thing is, if Katra gets removed, which is possible, right, it's just a unit, you know, Katra still wins you the game because it ramps you four times. Where if Arcanum Janitor is removed, it just removed and you have to, you know, continue playing the game. So it's definitely not Katra, although I like the design. I think it will be, you know, relegated more to the space of fun decks, but I don't think that's a bad place to be. I think having fun is important, and I don't think that, you know, I think that it's good enough to be fun, and I think that that's fine. I think it's a fine space to be. All right, I think we've spent enough time on this sure. card. Let's talk about Taller, Headmistress. Head uh, she's a 6-cost, six 6-6 six, six charge, plus 2 maximum power, and when Taller hits the enemy player, replenish your power. Um, this seems like a pretty cool card. There are a lot of situations in time decks where you're getting swept by, like, Harshul or something, and you really want a charge unit, and Tyler brings that. Um, I But I still struggle to find a good 
like application for it. What do you think, Stormblast? Yeah, I'm not super high on this card. I mean, I, I know that this is like, you know, worst case, I mean, I just imagine like I play Talir and I'm like, I block with a Grenadin. Wow, you had a Talir. Uh, you know, like I block with a 1-1, one, one, especially because at the moment, one of the most popular decks is a deck playing a bunch of one cost 1-1s one, or whatever. Um, you know, it just costs six. It, I mean, it has some evasion, you could say, by having charge, meaning your opponent can't necessarily predict that it's going to happen, or, you know, they have to predict it, right? So you can, like, surprise them. The surprise factor is relevant, because, um, you know, the opponent could attack with everything, not play a blocker, not have, you know, if they have to chump, that's not unreasonable either, right? If you're playing against, like, you know, a Kira deck and they have to, like, chump with their Hosian, you know, you're probably okay with that as with the players in playing clear, but cost six, I don't know. I think it's, it's I mean, Expedition, it's probably pretty good. You can attack with Talir and then play a Shashenko to follow up with. That seems pretty decent. Um, I don't know about Throne, though. Yeah, seems slow for Throne. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about this card. Like, six just is so much. You better be getting uh, value out of the card if uh, it doesn't, like, get to meaningfully attack. Like, at least with Grodolf Stranger, you get a power that can power up your other plays. All right, um, moving on, Campus Security. Now we're in Justice cards. Costs uh, one single Justice for one three. Uh, it's a Minotaur, Minotaur Soldier, plus two attack while you or Campus Security are wielding a weapon. Pay four to give Campus Security invulnerable to damage and war cry this turn. I actually think this card's pretty interesting. It's got nice stats, um, nice base stats. Uh, you definitely need to find some weapons that don't suck, which, as I've discussed already, can be difficult. But, uh, you know, you could have a one cost 3-3 three, three with additional abilities on top of that. Yeah, I think this card's actually pretty good. I wish it was an Oni and not a Minotaur, uh, but, you know, we can't have everything. Um, do you remember back in, like, beta, like, closed beta, there was an O3 rare for one fire that had plus three while wielding a weapon? They just kind of reprinted that, but gave it, like, significant upsides. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, uh, it's like Arms Dealer or something, right? Yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but it was it was a one and a fire for an O3 that had plus three while itself was wielding a weapon. And this has... You know the same thing where it becomes a, a plus it gets three attack three health if it's if it's wielding a weapon but this also has while well, you're wielding a weapon and it has one attack normally and it also can get invulnerable and war cry which is not irrelevant i mean like you know in, i mean i guess expedition went back there because it's just easy to make the synergy is you know you play this you play chizue on three you, know, you attack with a four three overwhelm that can become invulnerable in the future and if the opponent kills it which they're going to want to because it's a really powerful tempo uh, advantage otherwise is you, you draw a card off of it. So, you know, I think the cards, I think it's fine. I think it's good. It's one three for one. That's not a terrible stat line when you have upside of becoming a three, three or, you know, getting invulnerable. Yeah. Especially with something like Lunar Claw, which often eats three threes and then sticks around for a little while. Um, yeah. That could be helpful. But I, I think it's really going to come down to finding weapons that are not embarrassing to play. Um, and yeah, in like Expedition, that might be better. But like right now in Throne, I just don't see. That. Yeah, I'm not sure about Throne. I think Expedition, it's it's far more likely. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Strict Professor is three and a Justice for a three-two Mage. Uh, Strict Professor, uh, when Strict Professor attacks, play better than ever. And better than ever is the zero-cost Justice spell that says each unit you play this turn gets a random battle skill, and it also has Summon. You may silence up to two enemy units that cost two or less. So uh, the flavor is is that, you know, 
you play strict professor, strict professor will silence the young students because the young students are represented by cost and cheaply. And then strict professor instructs your students by attacking and gives them, you know, special skills and learning knowledge by playing better than ever and giving any future student you play abilities. So it's really cool flavor um, and surprisingly powerful, probably. As a pure player, I do not want to see this. <laughs> this will destroy me. Um, but I don't think it's very good. Like, you have to get value out of the Silence Bids card to be any good, right? And in that case, why not just play Valkenforcer, right? Because <laughs> Valkenforcer is a 3-3, so it can block better, and it flies. And the chance that you're going to uh, silence two cards is, uh, I think, less likely than the chance that you're going to want to silence something that costs more than more yeah. than two. And I, I guess I guess the other relevant thing there is that you might silence two cards, but are they two relevant cards? Like you know, you can silence like a a two cost unit, which which would be relevant. But is your other silence target like a one one with charge or overwhelm from dinosaur nest? Aha! You got the value. You silenced two things, but did you really silence two <laughs> things? Did you really get the full value? Uh, I mean, yes, one thing is probably still fine though. I think the thing that makes Strict Professor less appealing is the same reason that I think All Nighter is somewhat less appealing is that I just think that restricting to two cost or less is relevant right we, we've seen before right isn't kayana uh the two three three elysian two five doesn't that have silence two cost or less um and that yeah. always was a little rough because as it turns out things cost three <laughs> yeah i forgot about that card i mean like i thought it was going to be pretty good but um it just hasn't ended up being very relevant at all so Okay, we're going to move on to a another card, uh, one in a primal for Volatile Reaction. It is a spell, a very cheap spell, and it deals four damage to enemy unit and four damage to yourself or one of your units. Uh, Sunny, what do you think about this card? I think it's pretty bad. I don't know that we even have to talk about it much more. It's like a bad combust, um, and there are plenty of removal options where I don't think you need to play Volatile Reaction. So, so I have some things I want to say about it. First of all, I see, I see a one-cost primal card, a spell that targets one of my units, and my eyes become little Kiras. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can trigger Hosian with it. I can trigger Hosian with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but importantly, uh, I think this card is... It's not good, but I do think it is playable in a very specific uh, way. And the way I think it's playable is if you are not playing... A fire deck, a fire primal deck, potentially even fire uh, primal shadow. I think volatile reaction is a very solid one of in a lot of primal decks, right? It, it, in expedition, it might be more so with fire, but in throne, you've got torch, and you know why would you play this over torch? Uh, but you know, if you're not playing fire, if you're playing a primal deck as a one of, I think this is a very solid one of. I don't know if this will catch on because partly because I don't know if it's actually a good hypothesis, but I think. This is a very good one of. Um, two of it, you know, dealing eight damage to yourself, that's going to hurt. But dealing four damage to yourself is not the worst thing ever, especially when it comes with a big tempo advantage of killing a thing for one cost, right? The problem with Zolta Conclave in a lot of ways is that if you play two of them, you've dealt four damage. It's like, oh god, that's a lot of damage actually. But Zolta Conclave doesn't give you a tempo advantage. This does. And I think that you never want to risk playing two of it because dealing eight damage to yourself will probably kill you versus aggro. But I think as a one-of, I think this could be a very solid one-of. Yeah, you might be right. Uh, God. The strange... And the thing is, you know that I hate... If, you've been, if you're a long-time listener, you know that I 
do not like one ofs in Eternal. I'm a big fan of not playing one ofs. I think this is like the one situation where I'm like, here's a one of of a removal spell, and I think it could be correct in Primal Dex to play as a singular copy. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> like if you're playing some sort of Skycrack aggro or Yetis or something, maybe it's better than the fourth or fifth or first prim- Primafrost or whatever. Um, yeah, gosh, I <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe in small quantities, but boy, it's. It's definitely the weirdest take I have for the set, but I... I, I... Yeah, yeah, you may have convinced me. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's move on to a, to a, yeah. to a another card that is very interesting. Um, it is Lethrai Marauder. It is two and a primal for a 3-1 Overwhelm Elf, which is relevant. Summon, you may discard a card to play a 2-1 Elf. Bloodhunt, which is a spell that gives killer to a unit and scout, so you can give killer to a different unit or the Marauder itself. Or Formbend which transforms a unit or relic into an elemental with its uh, equal to its stats equal to its cost. Uh, so this card is interesting on a meta perspective because it indicates that hopefully there might be a, a cycle in the future of two-cost units in each faction that summon discard a card to do three things. Right? We have Styra's Eyes two sets ago. We have Left My Marauder today. Uh, and maybe in like you know two mini sets from now, we'll get a time one. Two mini sets from now, we'll get a fire one, and then we'll get a shadow one. Uh, it'd be kind of neat. Uh, but Sonny, what do you think of Left by Marauder and its flexibility? Yeah, I think this card's really good, um, especially being in Primal, uh, of, which is a faction that... Well, does it take advantage? I don't know. It's it's like can be played in a film deck where you get to really take advantage of things that you want to discard. And then being able to play a 3-1 and a 2-1 for uh, 2 power, that seems pretty good to me. Um, even if you have to discard a card for it, it's just like such a huge tempo swing. If you play it on turn two, if you if you play turn one, you know some unit, whatever, and then turn two this. Or, okay, so turn one like uh, vines, right? Darkwater vines, and turn two this. Um, you're enabling your discard deck while putting a lot of pressure on board, um, and I think that's really powerful. The other thing is, I think it could be good in some sort of like control deck, just as a flexible uh, answer to things. That form bend, especially in Throne, I think is surprisingly good. Like if you're playing against Combray Relics and you turn their Relic into a 2-2, that's like, you know, that's, it's basically as good as dead. <laughs> um, or if you're playing against, uh, you know, any deck that leads off with the Initiative Sands or, or, like a high value card form bending it can be a big deal but you have to have the cards to be able to do that you can't just discard cards willy-nilly right uh you have to have or is it nilly willy i whatever Uh, you have to have like some way to fuel this card but i do think that it's really good just because of how much um how much you can do with it for just two power this card is the probably this this card that misses Jotun Hurler the most. Um, like, a lot of other cards that miss Jotun Hurler are still roughly as good, like Crafty Occultist is still very good, Merchants are obviously still insane, uh, but this card would absolutely love having a Jotun Hurler. Um, you know, but th- this card, I think, I think this card is... I'm, so, last time we saw this in Styre's Eyes, I made probably one of the worst evaluations in the spoiler season that I've ever made, which is the, you know, the greatest Justice card we'll see played every single Justice deck and was absolutely absurd. And Styrus Eyes was not that. Uh, well, it was... It's it's good! No, I'm not yeah, saying okay. Styrus Eyes is bad. I, I'm saying that it is nowhere near the greatest Justice card of all time, which is basically what I was proliferating it as. Honestly, I'm 
pretty down on Styrizard for the most part. I don't think it's a four of in a lot of decks. I think it's like a good two of. Because um, if you ever draw two Styrizard, you feel really bad. <laughs> Lethal Marauder, though, is not Styrizard. It's very different because they have different flexibility. Um, you know, I'm not sure about it in a control deck because I don't know if control decks want a two for one themselves. Uh, even for tempo purposes, because it, you know the three one body is not as relevant in a control deck. You know, give, if you give it killer, you could open yourself up to being two for one, which is also not what you want to be in a control deck. Um, also, you're two for one yourselves no matter what, but you could have a, a tempo two for one where they, you know, play like a char or something to get rid of it on the killer attack. Um, I don't know about this card anymore. The more the more I've thought about it, I was like, it's the you know, everyone's like, it's insane. It's got a better anchoring mode than Styrus Eyes, and now I'm like, I don't know. I think it's I think it's still powerful. I'm just unsure about where it ends up, and I'm not willing to make a uh, evaluation as to where I think it'll go or how far it'll see play. Well, I do think the Blood Hunt, the one that gives Killer, is the worst mode on it. Um, but, but Sunny, it's a it's a targeting spell. You can play on a Hojin, <laughs> and then you can trigger the Hojin, and you can attack for six five life steal. It's a Kira card, Sunny. <laughs> yeah, turning the card in my hand into a Justice Sigil in play, I guess. And I the Killer effect. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, so while we're on the Kira train, you could play uh, Saditi and get the curse, and then play Formbend <laughs> on it to make it a 5-5 that can then attack if it was wow. in play at the beginning of the turn. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, incredible. No, Wait, don't, no, no, <laughs> the better thing you do with the Saditi thing is why would you turn the curse and then you could play Formbend and turn the curse into an actual unit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, okay. I think you yeah. meant turn the Saditi into an attack or killer. No! Okay, okay. <laughs> the the Saditi curse costs five. Yeah, I mean, I think that people are going to figure out a way to make this card good. Like, like Stairs Eye, it might not be the best primal card ever, but I think it's going to have a pretty big role to play. I think it is likely going to see more play than Stairs Eyes. Um, but again, I don't want to make too much of a judgment, because I definitely blew it last time on this on a card like this. So, okay, uh, next card on the list is Gravity Field. It is four Primal Primal for a Relic. It's a very interesting Relic. Your most recently played unit has plus two, plus two, and flying. And then also another effective, Primal Primal. When Gravity Field goes to the Void, the top unit of your deck gets flying. So it either goes to the Void by either being destroyed after being in play, or if you discard it. So you can either use it for discard value for relatively minor value, or this kind of somewhat reasonable effect of you know giving every unit a uh, what's that site endless steps right that gives the most recently played unit plus three plus three. Yeah, you know, this I've... is this is this is like endless steps, but it's more permanent because the opponent can't kill it as easily, and also it gives things flying, but it is more expensive. So Sunny, what do you think about gravity field? Yeah, I was gonna say like going endless steps into this if your unit stays alive. That's, like, kind of interesting. Um, I do think it's, like, really expensive. It's just not an efficient card. Its effect is pretty good, but I think it's just too clunky. Like, you could be playing something like Mantle of Justice on a unit, um, and instead you're playing Gravity Field, which has, you know, obviously a more persistent effect, less prone to being blown out. But just the impact you get on the board, the turn that you play it, is nowhere near that of of, you know, other four-cost things that help a unit like Mantle of Justice or Caleb's Persuader. I think my issue with the card is that I think that uh, Relic Destruction is going to be very common at the moment, and we'll get to why uh, later, and you guys all know why. Um, but I think that because Relic Destruction is going to be pretty common, you know, I don't think this card is going to see too much play at the moment until Relic Destruction stops being so uh, meta-necessary. 
Yeah. Because, okay. sorry, just to finish that thought, because it is a singular relic, right? It's not like you're playing seven relics where this is your seventh relic and then the opponent can only kill one of them. In a deck that's playing Gravity Field, it's likely your only relic. So then the relic destruction that is otherwise turned off in the opponent's deck has, suddenly has a place. Um, you're t making their cards better than they could be otherwise. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to Event Horizon. Uh, this is a shadow spell. It costs two. It has Unleash, Sacrifice a Relic to draw two cards. Notably, this isn't a fast spell. So um, kind of a Devourer with Unleash, but for Relics. Um, I think that Event Horizon is going to be good in uh, Relic-based decks that have one of this in the market that need to refuel late game. Um, and that's about it. So like maybe in rats as a one of in the market, and I don't really see a place for this in other places because you just don't get relics for free very often. What do you think of Event Horizon? I mean, I think the card's really cool. I think the card has a decent power level, uh, you know, devour for relics. It certainly I think as time goes on, this card will just get better and better. Um someday it might even get nerfed if you know there's like a three-year period or whatever where the card becomes goes off the charts. Uh, I don't think it's exceptionally likely. But it, you know, it's not out of the it's not out of the question in a couple years. Um, the other thing about it is, you know, th there's some fun meme opportunities with Bottled Storm and Waystone Gate, where you know you can pay five to either or three plus two rather to make an eight eight and draw two, or just draw five, and that seems like a fun strategy to try out. So I'm gonna probably play that at least once or twice on ladder because that sounds like fun. Um, I think I think there could be a place for this card, maybe not at the moment because of relic destruction being necessary, but. Um, I think the card's fine. I love the I love the card actually. I think the card's really cool. Um, big fan of the card. It's like I like that's an unleash card that's gated by the fact that you have to have the relics, so you can't just unleash it twenty times unless you have twenty relics. Yeah, and like I said earlier, you don't get relics for free, so it really is a big cost. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the next card we have is Mischievous Student, a two shadow shadow for a one three unit with ambush, which is good. And it is summon. You may swap a unit's power and toughness. So you can swap its own attack and health and make it a uh, ambushing 3-1 to block things, which is nice. Or you can do shenanigans like kill an Aurelian merchant or, I don't know, a host of other things. Uh, probably just expedition only. That's my guess. What do you think, Sonny? Yeah, it seems worse than Twisted Farmer, um, which is a very powerful card. But I just don't see a situation where you'd play this over Twisted Farmer. Or... Uh, I mean, maybe if, like, uh, ABCDFG is, or whatever that deck is called, is everywhere, and you have Brodies and uh, Dairy Campaigns that you can pick off for free, maybe that yeah. this would be preferable to that. But I think, generally speaking, uh, Twisted Farm is a lot better. Okay, next card is a card that's somewhat worth discussing. This is Collision Course. This is... Uh, three fire justice for an inscribed spell. So this is uh, we have four multi-faction inscribed cards that join Exodus to create a you know a not necessarily a cycle but a collection of five dual faction cards. You know each having only overlaps on you know two sides or whatever um, equally balanced. That is. Uh, so we have a three cost spell that says give a unit plus three plus three taunt and overwhelm. Uh, so I think this card's actually pretty good. It's got inscribed. I mean, if it didn't have inscribed, it'd be terrible. But it does have inscribed, which means that you know, at worst, it's like a Shugo standard, you know. And then at best, it helps remove things, push through damage, triggers Kira. Um, <laughs> so, Sonny, what do you think about Collision Course? Yeah, I think this card's really good. Um, having the flexibility of being a power or uh, 
obviously clunky removal spell. But I mean, if you're playing an aggressive deck, a lot of the times that your opponent uh, doesn't have the... Well, I mean, like, they, if they take damage and lose their unit, like, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Or, like, you know, if you force uh, one your opponent's big blocker to trade with one of your smaller units, that's that's a really good thing to have in, uh, in an aggro deck. So I like this card a lot. I think that with the Inscribe, you're going to have to play a deck that maybe, like, tops out a little higher, like maybe you're trying to get to Phoenix, and it gives you the uh, power flexibility to get to Phoenix while also being a pretty good card um, just like when you're on the aggro plan. So yeah, I think this card's good. Honestly, if you top out at 4, um, I think Inscribe is probably playable. Like, you yeah. don't want... Like, if you, like, like playing more than 25 power, especially when it's relatively free, as in, like, you, you still have a card that's not unreasonable to play... Is is good because you you know power is really good to have, and when you can sort of cheat the system, and that's what Jarl was trying to give us is the ability to play more than twenty five power while still letting Eternal players be as greedy as they want to be. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in this case, greed is good, right? Mm -hmm. There was that draft format where we all played fifteen power in our deck mm -hmm. and were would refuse to play more the first one was inscribed. <laughs> so, yeah, this card. I think this is going to see a fair amount of play. Certainly in Expedition, but uh, maybe in multi-faction aggro decks in Throne too. The next so card next... is a Justice Prime, uh, Justice Time Relic. Costs three Arcanum Court Corridors. When you play a unit, it is invulnerable to damage until the start of your next turn. Summon play slow. Um, it's an interesting card. I think that slow is like. A really interesting effect now that we don't have as much market access as you know we've had in the past. But I don't think this run really does enough. It's like good for blocking, and uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's just not proactive enough. I wish it cost two. I mean, yes, if a card was better, Sunny, it'd be better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or if it had inscribed, if it had, inscribed, I mean, maybe. But yeah, it's just. It's it's nice to have more relics that do things because that's sort of what Sentinels want, right? If you're playing like a Volk deck, you really want a relic that does a thing that you can sack off. Um, but costing three is just it's a lot, even if you get a slow. Um, like Amphitheater gives you a slow, but Amphitheater also replenishes your power or gives you a plus two plus two or whatever its other ability is. Um, now, sorry, there's a combo. You can play this card, and then you can play Socrato and play a one-cost 4-5 that doesn't die. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, for a turn. <laughs> for one turn, exactly. Now you're getting it. Now you're thinking with portals. Okay. Uh, that, that's all. Yeah, let's go on to the next card. Pretty exciting one. Celestial Discovery, 3-cost, Fast Spell in Time and Primal. Uh, draw two cards. If you have two relics, draw two of the top four cards of your deck instead. Put the rest on the bottom. I've tried playing this card, and uh, certainly on surface level, it looks pretty good. It's like a better Wisdom of the Elders for Legion decks. But it turns out it's actually pretty hard to get two relics into play that you care about, <laughs> is why I've discovered. Even when playing Rats, like I was not getting the look at the top four and choose two cards. But obviously, if you can get to that point, this is an extremely powerful draw spell. If you um, were playing Rats and not getting two relics in play, I... Honestly, I think you're building your Wrath deck wrong, probably. That being said, I, I don't even think... You, now, mind you, if you've played Display of Menace, you know how powerful drawing 204 is compared to just drawing 2. Like, that Display of Menace feels like cheating every time you play it for its cheat mode. Um, that being said, though, 
Celestial Discovery, at its base, its you know its baseline is Wizard of the Elders, five through eight, and then in some sort of you know Elysian control deck. Does it really need to be more than that? I mean, like it's just a solid card by itself, you know. Or an Elysian deck that's playing more time focused that wants to draw two, right? If you're playing like a heavy all head deck or something, you know, it's a it only costs one primal rather than two. I don't know. I think the card's perfectly good without its relic mode, and with its relic mode, it's it's great. So, at the moment, it seems unlikely that the relic mode is going to be necessary um, or possible. But I think the cards the cards good. I think it's good, solid. Relic mode makes it great. Doesn't need it, but it's great otherwise. Yeah, if you're playing some sort of like tradition deck that's playing three factions, it's probably better than Wisdom of the Elders because it's easier to get primal time than it is to get double primal, right? Um, but yeah, I also feel like the decks that want Wisdom of the Elders are rarely timed, so that might be a challenge for it. Um, or are decks that want Wisdom of the Elders rarely timed because Wisdom of the Elders was too primal, right? Maybe this, you know, again, you're building a three faction deck, whatever, right? This is. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just think that this is going to see more play in the three faction decks. Um, and I, I don't really think this is going to see play alongside Wisdom of the Elders, especially in Throne. I don't think you have that type of time to have like that many draw twos in your deck. But yeah, this is a good card. It'll see play in the right situations. Um, yeah, that's where so I am with it. Our next card is, I mean, this is the, I mean, our next card is Containment Sphere, one time shadow for an inscribed relic. So it's very cheap relic, and it also doesn't scribe. Uh, units can't leave voids. Summon the enemy player discards the top unit of your de- of their deck. So this set's basically just like the batteries mini set of all time, right? Like it's just nothing but cards <laughs> the batteries loves. I guess so. This card doesn't seem very good to me. Maybe if you are having difficulty finding void hate like out of your market or something, this could fill that role, and you really need to hate opposing voids but i mean you know like uh what's the card that's isn't there a card that says like embargo officer or something cards yeah. can't leave markets or voids or something like that and it costs one and it's a unit so like it can attack when it has nothing else to do um like that card exists and it sees zero play so even this so, though this has inscribe i just don't see this really seeing play so notably again this has inscribe which automatically makes it you know interesting because um, Inscribe is great, if you don't know. Uh, it is insanely powerful ability, especially on a multi-faction card. Uh, in a rat deck, for instance, this is a way to cheat on playing more than 25 power uh, while you know, still playing a relic. It's a one-cost relic, even. That's you know about as cheap as you can get. Um, Units Can't Leave Voids is, is a funny hate text, because the most common thing leaving voids at the moment are power cards. So it doesn't really mean hate on Kotra that well. Um, that being said, it's also actually surprisingly really good in uh, Tota's, uh, playing the Tota combo deck. If In case you don't know, the Tota combo deck uh, cheering section says, whenever a card is discarded, make a Tota, and this discards a card and is a relic, right? The Dota deck also wants some sort of uh, relic critical mass. So this card discards a card to make a Tota, is a relic, is inscribed, is fixing, um, you know, works with... Uh, like, you know, Event Horizon is just a cheap relic. Um, I think the card, the card's fine. I think it'll do what it needs to do. It's a very niche card, but it is niches. It'll be the best card you want. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. 
I mean, it costs one and has inscribed, so <laughs> really low floor on it. Can only be so or, bad. Sorry, really high floor on it. Relatively <laughs> high floor on it. Okay, uh, next card, Mila, exchange student. Four cost, uh, Huru card, single justice, single primal. It's a 1-1 one, one hero. Has inscribe, has summon, invoke, justice primal. When you play a spell, Mila gets plus three, plus three this turn. So obviously has value as being a multi-faction inscribe card, but I think this is like really bad. <laughs> I, I like the card a lot, actually. This was, this is one of the cards that I was kind of excited for when I saw it spoiled as far as the set goes. I just think it's a, 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 a solid role player to help just, you know, make decks function. Uh, like a control deck can, you know, play it for fixing slash, you know, extra power. Um, and then if they don't need the power, they can just play it to get a little bit of value, and I think that's I think that's pretty good. Also, you know, it, it's a, it's a, makes a spell. It works with spells. Is this a Kira card? It fixes? Oh my god, it's Kira. Uh, everything's Kira, Sunny. Um, but, okay, so so for seriousness and Kira purposes, I don't think this would be a 4 of an Akira deck. I think you could play this as a 2 of an Akira deck to try to play more than 25 power. It's You know, you have etchings for that as well. Um, but you can never have too much power in your deck, in all honesty. Um, but I don't think it's be like a 4 of Akira. I think it could be a 2 of. Otherwise, I think this could be a very solid little control inscribe invoke card that just gives you a little bit of value, which just maybe was what you need. I think it's a solid role player for what it needs to do. It, the problem is it's so inefficient. Four to play a one-one, that's such a huge tempo loss. I guess it does have inscribe, but I don't know. I just feel like this would be much better if it was a power in most cases. Like I would rather just have a power that provides both influence can maybe be undepleted sometimes because like i just have a really hard time uh seeing getting value out of playing this for its cost i mean i mean i already i already played it in kira i already played the two i oh, I, I was God. trying to get it two of in kira and i got i got a uh, like like ring through or whatever the two cost justice spell that gives the thing plus three plus three the two cost finest hour and i was like yeah i got a finest hour off of it it was great uh, let's so, move on, though. Okay, so, like, in Kira specifically, and I've been messing around with Kira a lot, as I always do, um, <laughs> I, I think that I've been playing, a, what's the card? Stormhall Plating. I've just been playing Stormhall Plating in Kira, because, oh, like, sometimes yeah. against aggro, you actually want the extra health, it's armor, whatever, and uh, you can ramp, like, occasionally in Kira, you just ramp really quickly, and then you get a Stormhall Plating out, and it does a lot of damage. So, like, I think that has a much higher upside than something like this. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I hate that. I, I, I don't get to eight very often unless I'm losing. Um, right? Like seven, you get to very, you get seven a lot, but like, I feel like if I get to eight, I'm either like about to win or I'm like super dead. And it's like not really close to being either. either. Or, <laughs> you know, I'm like either super ahead and where I don't need a plating or I'm like super dead and plating's not really going to get me back in either way. Um, but I don't want to make this the Kira show as much as the funny thing is me, me and I have both landed on just like really liking Kira. So we could just make this the Kira show, but let's not make it a Kira show. Uh, so let's move <laughs> on to uh, the next card is a Feln card. Uh, Feln got a good card this set. I know it's crazy to think that Feln could get something good. Um, this is for Primal Shadow for a 3-3 Direwood Pack Wolf. Uh, it has it has the text of whenever another unit dies, it gets plus one, plus one, which is whatever. But it has the more relevant text of Aegis, Deadly, and Inscribe, which is three very good words. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how important the Deadly is, but this is a really good um, 
this is a really good insurance against a sweeper again in a in a felon aggro deck and it's also has inscribe like <laughs> that like that just that that's good <laughs> we've already talked about how inscribe gives you a really high floor and the fact that you know you can play this after you've gone wide with a felon deck and uh, if they play a sweeper, all of a sudden they're facing down some gigantic unit. That's also a huge deal. So yeah, I think this card's really good. I don't know about the deadly on it, but so I think, it's really powerful. So I'm, I'm, I think the deadly is far more important than you might think. Uh, why why didn't you like Mila? Well, Mila's a one one, right? Mila's sometimes a four four in the future, but like on the turn you play, Mila's a one one. And on turn four, especially if you're on the draw, your opponent could be playing a five six or a giant unit, right? They could be playing something really big. And Mila doesn't block big things, or even medium-sized things, like 4-4s. Four but you know what does block big things or medium-sized things on turn 4? Deadly. You know what also won't die very easily because it has Aegis? Aegis things. <laughs> so I think, I think Aegis and Deadly is a very good combination on a card like this that is somewhat over-costed for its effect that also has Inscribe. Because again, on turn 4, you can block their big thing with your Deadly unit, which is going to be relevant more often than you might think. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's good to have Deadly on it. I guess so. Like, if you're not against a deck that's playing sweepers, maybe they're playing really big units, in which case the Deadly is relevant. Yeah, okay, fair enough. In any case, I think this deck's, this card is pretty good, especially for a Felnog aggro deck. Okay, so let's move on to what is probably the uh, single most important card uh, in the entire mini set. This is the Creation Project. For three, fire, time, justice, you get a relic that has... Your units have plus one, plus one, and at the start of your turn, the top card of your deck gets warp this turn. Uh, Sonny, what do you think about the creation project? I don't like this card. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is, it's really good. It's really good. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen all sorts of things that are questionable that goes around creation product, project that I've died to. Like, I, someone was playing, I think it was someone on TBC, was playing a five-faction deck with the Creation Project, and I got absolutely destroyed by it. Um, someone was playing... Sleffer. Sounds like a Sleffer move. I, I've definitely lost to Sleffer a bunch, but I don't think it was Sleffer this time. Um, and then uh, people are playing Granadin Rescue with this card, and Granadin Rescue, just like, it's not a thrown card. Um, but I've died to it just because this card is so ridiculously powerful. It, like, as long as you're doing other things, it, it's really good. <laughs> I don't know what to say. So obviously you can play it in a deck that has a lot of small units that it pumps, and then it just, like, gains fuel for them uh, for the rest of the game. Or you can be playing it in a deck that's, like, controlling and uh, just gives you more fuel. Like, if you're ramping, you have this, and then you get to play an extra card every turn. It's just so absurdly powerful I mean, if there was a card to be uh, wary of this coming thrown open, I would say it's this card. And whether that be from coming from aggressive strategies or control strategies, either way, you need to be prepared to face decks that have the creation project in it. Yeah, the creation project is 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 a completely absurd. I mean, it's Xenon Obelisk for one less that also gives you a card every turn. Um that's just nuts. That That is just absolutely bonkers value efficiency as well for a relic. Um, and, and the thing is, there, there's so many ways to play it, as Sunny said, right? You can play this sort of aggro abundance style strategy. By the way, the reason for Grenadine Rescue is abundance because it pumps up abundance by three, um, whereas a card like Kado would only pump by two 
or you know power selling pumps it by two um so that's why they're playing good. i don't necessarily agree with grand rescue because i think by itself grand rescue is pretty bad i'd rather just play a different card there has to be something better than grand rescue um but that's the logic there um yeah i mean you can play you can play this sort of very aggressive one drop strategy with creation project you can play creation project with mid-range stuff playing desert marshals and uh valkyrie enforcers right with maybe pride leader or something to counter the creation project or varbuck the the funny thing is, is that the, the best ways to answer the creation project are decks that are also going to play the creation project which is like uh uh you know like varbuck's a great answer for creation project but it's also a deck that's kind of play creation project then you also have like the you know you, you have the hate bears deck that's playing dean's chamber suppressor volk tokos and like bellax you know uh, you know, because if you play Dean's Chamber, it's suddenly very hard to get rid of the Creation Project. Um, <laughs> you know, then you can, you know, get a lot of value that way. You know, there's a lot of ways to build Creation Project because it is such a powerful card that's also not niche, right? You know, regardless of how powerful, like, let's say Containment Sphere is in the Tier 0 deck of all time, right? That's in one deck, right? There's not going to be two Tier 0 decks playing Containment Sphere, but there could be like three or four tier zero decks playing Creation Project. I mean, not only it be tier zero, it'd be tiers one. But like, you know, there's a variety of different decks that have completely different game plans that would all play the Creation Project. And so the card's just completely absurd. Yeah, it is. I've been trying to brainstorm ways of actually fighting against Creation Project that are effective. I mean, you know, all of your Relic Hate cards are options here. You mentioned Pride Leader. I just don't think that Pride Leader is like good enough in other situations uh to be I mean, great against the creation project good but yeah but it also comes down a turn later than create the creation project. I know, that's so the if issue. you're on the draw you could be in a lot of trouble i know uh, but this the issue is that creation project costs three it doesn't even cost four like it's not just the novel it costs cheap i mean uh it's just it's just insane i mean the the, the funniest answer is reappropriator because you just yeah. the creation project and put a region unit into play which is hard for creation project decks to deal with except that the Creation Project could be the aggro one, which can't deal with it, or it could be the silence one, which immediately deals with it. Yeah, and I mean... Like, or it could be the Dean's playing, Chamber. It could also be playing, the, the Suppressor one, which would stop the Reappropriator entirely, because it stops summon effects. Yeah, if, you, if you're playing Reappropriator, like, uh, you're not playing the Creation Project, most likely. <laughs> so, like, that's also a problem. That's a downside. I think the, the best thing to do against Creation Project decks, generally speaking, is End of an Era. Yeah, um, that's so like it. that's that's a big card, but like that costs five. That costs five, and you can't effectively ramp to it. Like all the ramp cards die to end of an era, so you can't make that core part of your strategy. And then if your opponent's playing cards that cost more than three, you're in a lot of trouble. But I mean, in Throne, there, I mean, end of an era is a really really potent card in Throne. So I, I think that's the I, best way. The other way that like strikes me as being pretty good is that time card that costs one and kills an attachment that costs four or less or something um, that hasn't scribed. Oh, yeah, yeah, dismantle. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, those those are the two cards that are I'm thinking are, like, these are probably good ways of dealing with it. Other things, like, I've, I've been trying to play Skycrag, and the options for Skycrag just aren't very good. Like, maybe you have uh, Meltdown out of the site, the, the Garden of Omens. Uh, is that right? Garden? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, like... That's a pretty good card, but it's not, like, it's really bad against Swarms of Units. Or I was playing Oni Insider, and that's just way too expensive. Um, what else was I trying? Oh, I was playing the the Elf from earlier in the set with Formbend, 
and it's just not efficient enough. So like it be like especially against a deck that wants to have a lot of units. So like I've been really struggling to find good ways of answering the creation project outside of basically the two cards that I mentioned before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the is not even even cost, so you can't play the one cost two one that kills even things, which would be a good answer if it could kill it. Uh, creation Project also stacks really well with itself, because if you play two Creation Projects, your units are double buffed, and then you get two warps to turn, uh, which is also insane. And the other thing about Creation Project, as far as all that goes, is that if your opponent's not playing the, like, sort of Relic, Volk, Cryptic Master, I don't know, Dean's Chamber style of Creation Project, uh, you know, you're packing, like, what, like, eight ways to kill relics in your deck for four things the opponent has to make relics? Like, is that a winning proposition? I mean, that's why, like, um, what is it? I don't know. This, I mean, it's, it's hard because you, you want to have enough ways to kill Creation Project, but then, like, they could either just not draw the project, in which case all those relic cards that you have are significantly weaker, or they just draw two of them, and you didn't draw two answers, and they get a slam of Creation Project anyways. Yeah, that's... That's part of why I mentioned the two cards that I did is because they do things other than just answer relics. Yeah. Um, I think and I mean, end of the era is is actually going to solve all the creation projects if they have multiple in play. I mean, but yeah, you're right. If you if you're playing just like spot removal and they have more creation projects than you have removal, you're probably just going to lose. It's it's a crazy card. I mean, this is this is the card that's going to warp the meta. Uh, definitely. You know, there's there's this card, and then you know. I don't know what the throne's... Well, I guess we'll get we'll get to our throne assumptions there. But yeah, so the creation project... Again, you know, there's like... Right now, there's like four different ways I can see a building creation project. You have the smallest way, you have the mid-range way, you have the suppressing way, and you have like the Volk way, the relic way. And the Volk way can also be the suppressing way. So there's there's yeah. a lot of options here. One, one more thing that I should mention is that uh, Agitator's Gavel. Is that right? That's the plus yeah. two, plus two... Uh... Amplify, kill a relic. That might also be a pretty good uh, way of. No, gavel. Is not gavel? Uh, Gravel's gavel? insight. Yes, gavel's insight. That's gavel's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So like that trick out of a combo deck might be a reasonable way of dealing with it. Yeah, I think that that's that's probably a good way because it it does a thing by itself, right? It's still a finest hour. Uh, in some recites, better because overwhelms you know could be relevant uh, as a trick, right? So yeah. I don't hate that. Um, Okay. Yeah, so... I mean, like last last throne open, I was playing for Gavel's Insight because um, uh, what was it? Dinosaur Nest was like mm -hmm. it was before the latest nerf or whatever. Um, it was in a lot of places and it was a problem for my deck. So like that worked pretty well. Uh, and the Creation Project is better than Dinosaur Nest was uh, when <laughs> before it was nerfed. So like you know. Anyway, let's let's move on. Um, we'll you know uh, speculate about throne later shortly <laughs> let's move on to another exciting uh three faction card but uh perhaps not as powerful uh three cost summoner solvent it's a two two it costs fire time and primal when summoner solvent attacks you may play a unit from your hand and uh if you charge it or give it killer uh, you can get that effect immediately uh, so it seems like a pretty cool card it's not Obvi immediately obvious what its use will be. Um, Stormblast, do you have any good ideas for this one? I mean, there there's a lot of interesting cases for it. I think there's so my 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 theory crafting at the moment is um, you you could play like a mid range style deck where you're playing Shashanka and like Heart of the Vaults, and you put like a Kairos in the market where you're playing the sort of FTP mid range strategy, and then if you have a Summoner Savant, it's sort of like a 
the opponent has to kill it or they die immediately because you slam down like a heart of the vault or a shashanka and then you just take over the board state um or you can play it in the like i'm gonna super cheat out all the big stuff strategy and play like a bunch more enablers in which case you're doing that sort of thing i think you'd want to be playing at least one other way to cheat um because if you're playing just summer as your only cheat code it's inconsistent right so if you're playing summer savant and eccentric officer or summer servant and world pyre i think that would be the way to go right you either want to put this sort of mid-range strategy we're using this as sort of like a giant big red threat that your opponent has to deal with in which case you just play a regular game or you're playing this entirely cheat based strategy you're playing you know eight to twelve ways to cheat on power uh, right you know world pyre and summer savant both can cheat things in and you can maybe reach the critical massive cheat effects so that those that's sort of my two angles that i'm looking at summer Spawn. or i don't know it's like spire shadows I don't know if Spire Shadows combines well with Summer Civil because I don't know how many units with small attack are worth cheating into play. But right, those are just, you know, you want to have eight ways to cheat at least, if not more, or a mid-range strategy. Yeah, I think I like your analysis. Yeah, the World Pirate seems like a good way. The Eccentric Officer is one that I hadn't thought of, but like that also seems like a good way. But I mean, I think these are pretty like, you know niche gimmicky strategies that probably aren't good enough to be competitive it's possible they might have been it's possibly still might be it's just that like you know creation project is just really absurd uh i i don't know i I think the card i think the mid-range strategy is more likely to see uh competitive status than the combo strategy but again, I'm not an expert on combo decks, and it is, you know, it's always possible for someone to find the perfect storm of combo potential, right? Where they found the perfect puzzle pieces. And I think that those puzzle pieces could exist. It's not like one where I'm like, oh, it probably doesn't exist, but maybe some will maybe get there. It, it's it's more likely than, um, than like, zero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm good with that. The almost in the narrows of the world. We'll figure out a way yes. to do something cool with this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> The next card is a very weird one. Uh, it makes any, you know, person that likes Menace Factions and Tesseracts cry. Uh, three Fire Primal Shadow for a slow spell. Uh, ultimatum. The opponent must choose. You draw a card of your choice from their hand or transform eight random cards in their deck into fireballs. Fire bombs. So it basically says uh, transform eight random cards in the enemy deck into fire bombs, or if the enemy player is bad, they let you take a card out of their hand. Yeah, or if they have no cards in hand, right? Oh, uh, they have no so, cards in hand, then they get the fire bombs, no matter what. Yeah. So, then, then, oh, the, it's, so, it's automatic? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, this card is basically Light the Fuse, but better. Um, <laughs> like, the effect is Light the Fuse, but better. Uh, the card itself is probably Light the Fuse, but worse. I mean, I think, I mean, it would be nice if we had a nice, cool, like, Tesseract Brennan card in these factions, but, like, I think this card's fine to exist. You know, like, there's a subset of players that are, will want to have fun with it. I think that getting the Firebomb players, you know, the in the, uh, what is it, the Magic the Gathering player profiles of the world, the Johnnies, you know, giving a type of Johnny, the one that wants to just turn the enemy deck and do nothing but Firebombs and Scorpion Wasps, let them have fun, I guess. You know, I, I, don't, I won't play with this card. It's not a spike card by any stretch, but that doesn't mean it shouldn't exist. Yeah, I'm good with that as well. Okay, <laughs> Factionless Power, Star Charts. Uh, does not provide factions, but it is undepleted. It says, fate once per game. If you did not go first, create and draw a power burst. Um, interesting addition to the factionless deck, but I mean, I don't think the factionless deck is good. 
and uh, you have to be going second for this card to really do anything worthwhile. I mean, according to Direwolf, it's the first power card with fate in the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just forgot about uh, the broken contract or whatever that card's called. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... This, so, so um... I, I'm not a big fan of this card. This is actually, I don't know if, if any, uh, I don't know how many listeners know, but this is actually the community card, um, oh. right? This was, this was a, uh, someone, someone made the design a card. I don't remember their name. They had a contest and, uh, star charts. I don't know if you know if star charts won or not. I don't think it did, but they might've submitted it anyways. Either way, this was a, uh, this was a this community design a card, um, which is interesting. Um, it's probably that like, you know, if you're not going first, it's just a factionless power. So if you, you know, maybe if you have like super light influence, but even then it's kind of like, you, you know, if, you, if you're playing a deck that's play, that needs influence, right? That's not factionless. And you ever draw two of it you're, in your opening hand, you're going to be like really sad. So like, maybe you could play this as a one of in a, like a very influence light aggro strategy, maybe, uh, because you can get away with playing one of it and then sometimes have a go second, you know, shenanigans. But, you know, that's just, like, super niche. Factionless decks get a little bit of a bone. It's cute. I don't like it very much. That's fine. I don't need to like every card. Yeah, I think it's really only for the factionless decks. It's just not having influence is such a huge cost. Uh, all right, and the last card in the set is Dean's Chamber. It costs two. It's a relic. It's factionless. Units can't use summon or contract abilities. So you were mentioning this with the creation project. Um, as a way of protecting it, and then also playing your own bell axes as uh, two cost eight eights. Um, so obviously, you think that this can see play. Uh, any other situations where you like the dean's chamber? Yeah, I think this the card's actually surprisingly playable. Right, uh, Grand Suppressor has a more powerful effect than might be expected. The problem with Grand Suppressor is, of course, you know this thing not having stats is relevant, but Grand Suppressor having stats is also relevant. Because you can just torch Grand Suppressor and then you get the summon back. Uh, it's much harder to kill a relic than a unit. So if your goal is to hate things, to just really provide you know some lock pieces in the place, this will be a much better lock than Grand Suppressor, even if Grand Suppressor can attack and block. So I think this card is actually going to be pretty good. It's you know you you send your opponent to detention, right? The Dean's like you're in detention now, and then they can't do anything <laughs> anymore. Um, so put their units in detention and lock them out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I've had problems dealing with opposing Grand Suppressor, and it usually comes down to having a removal spell for a unit. So, yeah, I like this card. It's just, like, it's a, it's a powerful effect, for sure. And it can help enable your Bellax, right? Mm -hmm. And I suppose it can help enable, like, Guardian of Spring, or there's that, like, Thudrock and Snooze or something that's, like, an 8-8 killer for 5 that has a drawback. Um, you really have to be enabling something with this card. I think you can't just slot it in a deck and expect it to do a lot of work. Um, but as you know, we've discussed, there are ways of doing that. So yeah, interesting card, probably better than it looks. Okay, so that wraps up our card review. That is all uh, 24 cards from Enter the Arcanum and our thoughts on it, as, uh, along with um, some of the promos. So, uh, so Sunny... What do you think? So we 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 have we now have a uh, throne format coming up, right? Yep. So what do you think that the throne tournament's going to start looking like? Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of the creation project. 
Um, yeah, I mean, before this set, I was super psyched about Skycrag, like, mid-range, because I thought that left right Marauder was going to be really good, but it turns out that deck's garbage against the Creation Project, as far as I can tell. But left right Marauder um, can deal with Creation Project and with a form bend. All you do is yeah, give your opponent a 3-3 three, three to yeah, go along with their like, other units. They like having that 3-3 three, three is the problem. Um, I mean, I think that Kira is going to be able to survive. I don't know what's changed since the last form. I did not play Kira in the last uh, Throne Open, and I don't remember why I didn't. I um, did. Because <laughs> I own, apparently I just only play Kira these days. Yeah, I I mean, I've, I've been playing Kira recently, and it's like, it's felt pretty good. Um, maybe people are just, like, more susceptible to a flying aggro, like, a flying uh, trick well, shot card, but... I mean, I mean, I feel like, with, as far as the Kira goes, is that, um, you know, it's gonna... I mean, the the uh, the established decks from the previous metagame are always gonna feel good on day one of a new metagame, because people are gonna be trying out new things, even in Creation Project, which is busted. You know, it will take... Maybe it's already happened, but like it'll take some time to refine it a little bit, right? So that's true. Okay. Well, I think in any case, I do think that Kira is going to be a player, but only for you know a small subset of players <laughs> like like us. Um, you can play. You can probably still play Combray Aggro. That's why I played at the last open. That gets Gavel's Insight, which can deal with uh, uh, the Creation Project, and you can probably figure out other ways of making that deck well geared. Oh, um, what's the What's the one that cards can you can only play one uh, unit a turn? Uh, Law, Mage. Law Mage or something. Yeah, Law yeah. Mage is also good versus uh, some versions of Creation Project. Not all of them, but it is yeah, good versus yeah. some of them. Yeah. So like, Combray Aggro is probably going to be reasonable. Stone Scar. Someone's always going to play Stone Scar. I've seen a bunch of uh, Onis recently. I don't love the deck, um, but getting a. Uh, Getting a gold-plated revolver on, I think it's Kazuo, the one that has Mastery 9. No, mm, the the Inspired Artist. Uh, it, Mastery 9? Yeah, Mastery 9 units and get, like, plus 4, plus 2. Units in your deck get plus 4, oh, plus 2. Oh, you, you mean, um... Uh... Akko or Akko, something? yes. Yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah, so, like, that's an option. I mean, it's thrown. Like, people are going to play what they know, and there's a lot of options for it. There's also Combray Relics, Fury Control. These are options. I've seen Monero playing Rebuild Combo, which is super spicy, and I've lost to it a bunch, but I don't think it's going to be consistent enough. Um, shout out to Monero, always doing something exciting at the very least. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of options. I think you have to be very aware of the creation project because that's definitely going to show up um so either have a good plan for it or don't be weak to the same things that the creation project is weak that's that's my throne speculation yeah that's a pretty good one um i mean it, it's it's somewhat hard to say because again creation project has it, it's hard to know which version of the creation project will end up being the best one or if there will even be a sort of meta popular consensus on which one is the best one um, it's really, I mean, it really feels like it's going to be like creation project versus the world, uh, and we'll see who wins, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like now, but yeah, I mean, that could also just be like blowing it out of proportion. A lot of people are trying yeah. the creation project right now. It's obviously very powerful. Um, but you know, 
when people are prepared for it, is it going to be as good as it feels like it is right now? And I don't know if that's the case. People are going to, you know, tune their decks just to have incidental hate against it. Like, you know, if you're if you're playing the cre creation project against Kira, like maybe it's doing pretty well. But what if Kira is playing Combray for for uh, the the Relicate Gavel's Insight card and uh, Combray Law Mage? Is it still really good? Maybe, but also maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's like it's like what what if what if Combray's playing a bunch of hate targeted to one specific decks? It could still be busted, but it might <laughs> finally be put in check. And it's like you're not really selling me on this whole, you know, creation project might be put in check, Sonny. Well, I mean, I've played I've played Combray Law Mage in Kira before. I've played so Gavel's Insight in aggressive Combray decks before. So like these are not necessarily cards that are only good against the new kid on the block they're reasonable options that yeah i know yeah, yeah. That, that that's the thing right is that i think i think i just i just like the way you described it though was like just like well what if the what if we play these specific cards that are specifically geared towards being good against one deck well maybe that deck is is not as good it's like <laughs> just made it seem like the deck was absurd sonny well, but on the other hand, we're all seeing right now how incredible uh, the creation project is, and we're all losing to it a bunch, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, Winning you just it. have to temper your expectations for how good that card is going to be a week and a day from now when during the tournament and when people have had time to adapt their lists. Mm -hmm. Maybe the solutions are ineffective, and it's still just as good as, as advertised. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's... It's so hard to say, especially because, you know, there, again, there's a variety of creation project decks, and it's not like, it's like, oh, if it was like, oh, like with, you know, like Elysian uh, spell mid-range unit stuff, and like Kira, it's like, you know, you can configure Kira in a variety of different ways, but really it's kind of playing a similar game with or without Saviti, right? But it's like creation project, there's so many ways to build it, and that's good and bad. Um, also just as indicated, the card's super powerful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's... Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to compare it to, like, Xenon, because Xenon is a deck that has a lot of different um, flavors to it. Like, you could be going with some sacrifice effects with Huntmaster Vikram, or you could be going big with, like, uh, Twin Spiteling and Time Units, Time Influence, or you could be playing Reanimator or something. There are a lot of different ways to go for Xenon, but I guess there's not really, like, something that ties them all together, except maybe Exploit. Uh, the same way that the creation project is being is tying these cards together. The, the difference is that, like, with exploit, you can't answer exploit, right? You mm -hmm. just have your deck that's reasonably good against exploit. The creation project is a card that you actually have to answer most of the time. You can't just <laughs> ignore it or just be like, oh, my opponent played this. Oh, well, I guess I have to, you know, keep on going, which is the same way as exploit. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, some sort of analogous version where a single card spawns a lot of different decks, and I'm not really actually coming up with anything. Can you think of uh, a card that behaves in a similar way? Uh, one card spawned a bunch of different decks. Um, does Torch count? No, because like it has to be something that you yeah, need yeah, yeah. to answer, right? Um, I mean, Grodolf Stranger, but that's still... Mm. It, it comes down way later, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Um... I guess I guess let's let's look let's look at some other mini sets. Uh, 
Okay, so here's something that we haven't mentioned. Creation Project Strangers, because you have the uh, three cost fire time stranger that can kill opposing relics. <laughs> like, so if you get into a prolonged game, like you can do some cool stuff there. Are you really playing a... Th so, Sonny, you, you said, you're like, oh, uh, what is it? The, uh, the pride leader is too expensive because it costs four. And you're going to play a card that costs three that then you have to activate to cost like four. What's that card? What is, what is that card? It's like, it's the gladiator. Yeah. 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 Gladiator. You're paying a three cost unit that you don't have to pay for an exhaust to kill an enemy relic. And you think that my pride leader strategy is too slow. Well, the thing is, it's also like threatening. That card's a threatening card. It, it makes it so that your cards in hand become really pumped up. This deck can also play its own creation project oh, and then God. when you have trader's farm those cards cost like your strangers all cost one less why why is it that the best creation project deck the anti-creation project is also a deck that can play creation project that's the funniest thing to me yeah. the best well, answers just... are also in faction yeah um, oh man and you can even play uh what's the one that reduces i can't remember all the strangers names the one that reduces the top card the cost of the top card by stranger. two yeah yeah so you play oh, creation and then project has... to attack. You have you have Grodoff Stranger on top of your deck that got warp, and you can play it on curve on turn four. Thing is, Oof. that doesn't really work because you draw a card first, and then the top card gets warp. So no, you attack like after you draw the card, then you. Attack, oh, okay, I see. I see. Two. You attack, and then the warp card is cheaper. Sure. No, that would yeah. make sense. Yeah. No, that would work. That works, Sunny. I hate it, but it would work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Am I playing? Am I playing five faction strangers for the tournament? Well, if you're playing five strangers, you know you get you get display of knowledge, so you can tutor up creation project. <laughs> it's also insurance against the Kira decks that are going in with a something that trickshot ruffian. You know, you know, you're, it's funny about the. Uh... You could you could play five faction seventy five creation projects. <laughs> you could just play like, all the tutor effects, and then what do you do with creation project once you tutor it out? I don't know. Draw more creation projects. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So yes. Uh, let's, Anyways, let's wrap it up here. Yeah, we're kind of losing um, the trade of uh, the creation trade project of is a really powerful card. Either have an, a plan for it or playing it. That, I think that's the that's this format in a nutshell. And, and it's really a shame because I think that I really liked the format before creation project. And now I really don't like it. So, yeah, that's where I am with it. We'll see. We'll see. It could it could turn out better, but yeah, I'm 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 worried. I'm very worried about uh, what's going on. Yeah. A big thank you to all of our patrons that are somehow still supporting us, even though we've been super irregular as of late. Um, but a shout out to uh, Telmokos, Odsos, Prewebin, Work Done Son, and Chrissier for their continued support of EpiCast. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, and that will be it. Uh, we'll probably see you the next time we are super inspired to make a podcast, whenever that is. Uh, probably if, when new cards come out, that seems to be the most inspired that we get. Um, but uh, good luck in the Throne Open if you're playing. Until then, uh, we will see you in the Friend Zone. See ya.